0: Can you explain why you uh, left me hanging, is the question. I,
1: I got my weeks off. I thought this was, I thought we were on, still on schedule. I didn't realize no.
0: that. No. No. So who who betrayed whom?
1: Uh, I, I really hate when you start using whom.
0: <laughs> A bitch can't use whom? No. You mm. swamp rat. Well, you know what? I get to use whatever word I want, because guess what? I'm recording, and you're not. You're not. Okay. So I'm smart, you're dumb. I'm big, you're small. And nothing you can Where do. that from? <laughs> Matilda. Oh, uh, wow. You really didn't have a childhood, did you?
1: <laughs> no, I remember. I, I, it was familiar to me, but I just couldn't place it. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, do you want to say hi to everybody since you won't be on the episode?
1: How do I do
0: that? Just speak and I'll hit record, fool. Yeah, we can do that.
1: What are you gonna record?
0: I'm good. I hit record. Just oh, right now. <laughs> just yeah. Just say something.
1: Oh well, hey y'all. So um, this is your favorite host of Clear Walk, the podcast, aka Nikita, uh, aka Uncle Nick, aka Keith. A freak um i'm hmm. on the proverbial rig so i'm not able to record uh with money um i just should try to hold down the fort as best as she can as a second-rate host but i know wow. you all won't hold it against her wow um i love you all uh i can't wait to record the show together um but you know money really holds the reins of the show so it's really her way or the highway
0: uh, i am so, the show ain't nobody come to see you otis
1: wow she is the show. You know, one of the things that I often say about money that, that one of the, her traits that I love the most is her modesty. <laughs> <laughs> I've always said that. She's you know, just the level of humility has always just been astounding. Um <laughs> anyway, have fun with your second rate host
0: Stop I'm calling sorry. me second rate, bitch!
1: <laughs> oh, some feminist, huh? <laughs>
0: I'm not second rate, okay? Yeah,
1: you're third rate. I <laughs> hey. hey. love your chocolate demeanor and your cocoa kisses. I see your flow from a distance. Your vibe cite my submission. I give you all of me. Wanna make you proud of me. We see the God in all you do. Your light is harmony. I hope you hear that on the daily
0: baby you love, you love What up y'all, welcome to Queer Walk the Podcast The insurgent bi-weekly audio syllabus for and by queer women of color um, I already dropped the intro, we did, uh, I did it a little um, backwards You know, cause I wanted to get Nikita berating me uh, to start off the show Since she won't be joining us for this episode, I'm back For another solo episode, Um, and for those of you who might be new or rejoining, uh, I am Money. I'm going to call myself Money the Moon Watcher because I have a balcony that uh, faces the moon, and every night I get to see it. And that's, you know, it's the the little joys um, during these COVID times. Uh, So being able to see the moon... um, if y'all don't listen regularly, me and the moon, I'm a big fan. I was born on a full moon. I always know what the moon is doing. I have a moon calendar. I, I have alerts in my phone about uh, when the new moon and the full moons are. So, you know, that's just been giving me small joys. Yeah. Um. So I'm going to go ahead and jump on into the episode since I already dropped the dope ass intro. And tell y'all where you can find us. So you can find this illustrious program on Instagram and Twitter, the same handle, at QueerWalkPod, P-O-D. You can find us on the Book of Faces. And if I'm being quite honest, you can find Nikita on the Book of Faces uh, at Facebook.com slash QueerWalkPod, P-O-D. You can follow us on Tumblr where it all began at QueerWalk.com and you can listen to us on SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Castbox, PocketCast and all the other platforms where you can find podcasts except for Spotify. So, there's some ways that we uh ask you all to contribute to this program because uh like we love to say we are like the uh, curators of the Queer Walk experience on this here audio syllabus. But um, you all make it possible and you do so through uh, one of two ways. The first is by loving us out loud, um, showing us y'all support by using the hashtag QueerWOC to talk all things to podcasts to talk back to the episodes to connect with us to connect with other listeners. You can do all of that using the hashtag queerwoc on all the platforms. You can rate us on whatever uh, platform you listen to us. You can leave us a review. Uh, I would love to read some new reviews. So Leave us a review. Uh, request a topic or a queer walk or queer pock of the week repost the episodes when we're posting it on Twitter or Instagram, retweet us and reply. Um, And if you don't want to be bound by the DMs or um, uh, character limits, you can always shoot us an email. Um, You can submit your Curve Chronicles or just uh, hit us up in general over at QueerWalkPod at (laughs) gmail.com. Alright, if y'all hear some jangling in this episode, it's because y'all know I love my accessories. And um, I took off the earrings, but I I don't know what's jangling still, but something is jangling. So if y'all hear jangling, it's because I'm a accessorized ass bitch. Okay. Um, so now I'm gonna move it on along into the queer rock, queer rock, queer rock of the week segment. Um, and the queer rock of the week or queer pock of the week segment is where we like to give the flowers to the folks who are fucking it up, doing um, things that we think y'all should have on y'all radar. As Diamond would say, uh, do, pushing the culture forward. That's, this is our segment where we like to highlight somebody is do, that's doing that work and today is no different the queer walk of the week this week is co-founder and executive director of UK Black Pride lady phil apoko gima so lady phil where do, okay i'm i always try to make a list of folks like accolades and accomplishments and um how they are making the world a better place for us as queer folks of color. And I never know where to start because everybody is just doing such dope shit. Um, so I guess, first of all, I will start with Lady Phil has been like a lifelong trade unionist, um, like really has done a lot of um unionizing efforts and um labor struggle support particularly when it comes to lgbtq folks in um in great britain and so that's really where she got her start uh doing organizing and philanthropic work politicizing her queer identity right um and it was through labor organizing um so after that uh Basically, she just jumped head first into organizing um, and resisting uh, really uh, oppressive shit that happens for queer folks of color uh, throughout the world, but specifically in um, Great Britain. So, uh, Lady Phil is the executive director of Kaleidoscope Trust, which is an organization based out of Britain, working to uphold the human rights of LGBTQ people globally. So, even though it's a um, a situated organization, they've they've been involved in like struggles for liberation for queer folks all over the the world, um, in Benin, in Brazil, in the United States. They just really are uh, helping uh, on a transnational scale. Most recently, um, the project that they've uh, been doing is addressing the impact COVID has had on queer folks globally. Um, So Kaleidoscope, uh, has been tweeting a lot of information about how um, queer folks across the world have been uh, disproportionately impacted by COVID. One, um, because of the, the scale to which we struggle with like houselessness um, due to like, you know, labor discrimination and all the other isms that come along with identifying as a queer person. Um, And also because we're more likely to work frontline essential worker jobs. And again, uh, that's not an accident, right? It's the same way we see um, Black folks and Indigenous folks um, being disproportionately impacted by COVID, right? So so Kaleidoscope launched this campaign to get as many queer folks as possible tested um, and has been supporting people to find housing through this time. So that's what they're like most recently involved in. As if that wasn't enough, Lady Phil is also a Diva Magazine columnist. Um, She was the Grand Marshal for World Pride in 2019. Um, She was honored earlier this year in July uh, by the Pride Power List as uh, the number four like mover and shaker in the LGBT community globally. Um, and then before I get to UK Black Pride, uh, she also rejected an MBE uh, from Britain in protest of Britain's anti-LGBT laws. Okay, so y'all, uh, y'all know my American ass. I, I was like, why is this such a big deal? This is why people started calling her Lady Phil, right? Because she rejected this. So, from my understanding, right, this is just my interpretation of the situation. An MBE is basically like a Nobel Peace Prize on a smaller scale. <laughs> it's like the, one of the highest honors that um, that people get for chivalry, their contribution to like charitable and welfare um, organizations, public service, being an outstanding civil servant. Right. So it's it's re- it's a really prestigious award. Right. They've been. They've been, like, awarding it since, like, 1900 or something like that, right? And so she actually won an MBE and said, fuck you, British Empire, because you got you got all these um, specifically, uh, like, uh, rules around where people um, go when they are incarcerated and, you know, the same stuff we see here, right? Um, even though we see it on a state-by-state um, um, issue basis of, like, Assigned sex at birth being like where people are housed when they're in confinement. And like, so she explicitly spoke out against that. And a lot of other discriminatory practices that Britain has to LGBTQ people. So she told them to take that award and shove it up their ass. And and everybody, um, you know, lived for it and started calling her Lady Phil. So that's where that, that nickname, that moniker came from. And last but not least, I wanted to shout out Lady Phil because um, UK Black Pride, so started in 2005 with just like less than a busload is what she says of like Afro queers. They they first went to um, London Pride and they were like, oh, this is cool. This is lit. But um, we're like chocolate cocoa puffs and a sea of milk. Right. <laughs> and, um, so they really felt like, like, uh, Afro queers need a place to call home, um, during pride month in Europe. And so they took this like retreat in 2004 and like planned it out. And in 2005, they started, uh, UK black pride, which was just a busload of people. Right. Now, UK Black Pride is the is Europe's largest celebration of queer folks of Afro, Asian, Caribbean, Middle Eastern, Latinx descent. Um, and when I say largest, y'all, they went from a busload in 05 to in 2019. Um, They recorded over 10,000 attendees to UK Black Pride. And this year, uh, you know, because of quarantine, they did a digital version, like a week-long series of digital events. There were over 30,000 people who joined those digital events. So, I mean, in, in what, 15 years, UK Black Pride has really become a global destination For queer folks of color. um, Not just in Europe. But everywhere. And so I think this speaks to. uh, Lady Phil's reach. and, And just the. The the relationships that she has with people to build and galvanize. Like I ain't, I ain't done nothing for 15 years to reach um, 30,000 people. So I just think it's so dope that a black queer woman is doing this in the middle of Europe and just wanted to shout her out and give her her flowers right now. So you can follow at Lady Phil on all the things and I'll have links to some like highlights and uh, articles and stuff. More on her work in the description of this episode. All right, so I'm gonna move it on along to the community contributors. Wow! Segment. (laughs) And the community contributors segment is where we shout out y'all, y'all who make this. Oh, I think it's my necklace that's jangling. Okay. We shout out y'all who make this podcast possible. um, and that's why this is actually my favorite segment of the podcast. I love when y'all come through and community contributors be long as hell because that means that y'all showed up and showed out. So I love it. Um, so first I'm gonna shout out the patrons, the new patrons. i wanna send a shout out to Stephanie, Zoe, thank you, and Hector. So Thanks, Stephanie, Zoe, thank you and Hector for um, signing up to become new patrons um, and continue, helping us continue to keep the mic on. Also want to send a huge shout out to Sandy who upped their pledge. So thank you so much, Sandy, for not just supporting, but uh, increasing that support, you know. Without money, we literally wouldn't be able to do this because podcasting is not free. So I uh, can't thank y'all enough for dropping off the uh, consistent coin at the Patreon. If you also want to give a one-time donation, we're on Cash App at dollar sign P Pod, O P-O-D. All right, now on to the small town shout outs. So the small town shout outs, uh, I recognize that geographically these might not be small towns, but they are places basically that I'm I'm not familiar with and that are outside of the, like, large metropolitan places that we often hear when we think about queer communities. So, like, the Chicago's, the Detroit's, the New York's, the Atlanta's. These are places outside of those places that um, show up in our top 20, top 10 um, listen cities. So... I'm going to send a shout out to, I hope I pronounced this right. Oh, my gosh. Cobbleskill, New York. I know it's a SUNY there. So um, I'm really, <laughs> I'm really sorry that I, if I'm pronouncing that wrong. But shout out to Cobbleskill uh, for holding us down. Y'all were actually our number three city. So that was um, wild. Uh, y'all just, y'all just came out of nowhere and blew all the rest of the cities out the water. Alright, sending a shout out to oh my gosh, these city names. Attleboro, Massachusetts. Attleboro? Y'all know how to pronounce y'all city. So um just <laughs> tell me uh how to pronounce it. Y'all know I ain't never been nowhere, and uh geography is not my strong suit. I can own that. Um, so yeah. Shout out to y'all. Thanks for listening. And last but not least, in our top 10. Carmel, Indiana. Is it Carmel or Caramel? Or do y'all fight about that out there? Um, I'll let y'all have it. But either way, we're glad you're listening to Queer Walk. All right, y'all. I'm going to move it on along to the mental moment with moi, <laughs> aka the mental moment with money. And this segment is where I, Dr. Money, um, comma, LMFT. <laughs> um, I worked for them credentials, y'all, so you know. I'm and I'm. They still new to me, so you know when something new, you just <laughs> uh, act like you ain't ever uh, got nothing before. So, yeah, this is the segment where basically I combine both of my passions, talking to y'all and the work that I do as a therapist, and I try to make things as like accessible and useful to us as possible. So today I wanted to talk about what exactly is a trauma response, right? Because um <clears throat> I don't know if it's just my corner of the internet. Because y'all know they tailor everything. To keep us on longer. So I don't know if it's just my corner of the internet. That I've been seeing this. Or if it's actually becoming a more common thing. But I see people. Resp- uh, referring to a lot of things. As a trauma response. Like I've seen tweets on my timeline. That's like when you realize. Your whole personality is a trauma response. And I'm like damn girl it's that big. The whole personality though. Like that feels so <laughs> consuming. And like unchangeable and you know me me as the narrative therapist I just want to jump in and that sounds like a problem saturated story and how do we free you from that narrative sweetheart (laughs) um and so I I just wanted to give space to actually explaining what a trauma response is and hopefully making it small enough where it feels like you can name it point to it and then start to find other ways that um, you would like to cope that aren't necessarily a response to trauma, right? Um, So first of all, I will just name my sources, you know, my sources, my sources. Um, Go ahead. This is the audio syllabus, you know. So I think the best uh, trauma-informed care training that I've ever gotten is from uh, Samsha. So it's the it's the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services uh, Administration. They 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 put out a lot of work, uh, especially really good um, like research and statistics stuff. But they also um, every so often will do like a whole series of manuals to help like therapists in training or continuing education um, like stay up on what's current and relevant in treating shit. Right, and so I think that they have one of the best. Uh, trauma-informed care trainings out there. Um, I went through it in my master's program. I just re-upped on it <laughs> uh, recently because um, I'm supervising master's students heavy, heavy right now. And I just, you know, always want to be on my toes and, and be as helpful as I can to them. So I recommend that. And a lot of Samsha's stuff is available free. It's like free and open to the public. You can find it on their website. I'll put a link to um, some of these trauma response um, like stuff that, in case y'all are interested in getting like the full rundown of it and not just my like mental moment and like nitty gritty of it. Okay, okay. So, what is a trauma response? First of all, I think I want to flip the language and call it responses to trauma because I want to like center that that these are responses to a traumatic event. Right. And I did this. This is a throwback mental moment. Like when we say something is traumatic or trauma, like I want us to be really specific about that because The way we heal from trauma is different than the way we heal from something that was like fucked up or uncomfortable, right? So I want to be really specific when I'm, what I'm calling a trauma. A trauma is anything. It can be a specific event or like a prolonged uh, exposure to anything that overwhelms your full faculties to cope. So, um, like you just... All your all your regular regular ways of coping just do not work that like you are completely overwhelmed. And some people experience this as like a direct threat to like, I don't think I can survive this. Right. So that's what trauma is. When we talk about trauma and trauma informed care, that's what we're talking about. So um, this can be like a natural disaster. I'm on the West Coast now. And y'all, I was scared as fuck with these wildfires because Tacoma, the air quality, what air quality? We didn't have no air quality, right? Like um, there were literally um, warnings like to not leave your house and to close your windows because of the smoke from the wildfires. That is a trauma Also, we know that there is systemic trauma, right? So um, transphobia is trauma. Uh, Racism is trauma, right? So it can be like a cumulative thing or it can be a direct event. But that's what I mean when I say trauma. That's when I say trauma, that's what I'm referencing, right? Like those things that completely overwhelm like in in on any regular day, like it would just you just would be unable to cope with it. So a response to trauma is any way that you, in the moment, attempt to cope with your full way of coping, being overwhelmed. Does that make sense? So it's like a, oh shit, I don't know how to cope with this. And then anything you do to attempt to cope with that, that is a trauma response, um, so, like neurologi- neurologically, we we think about these in like three camps, like the fight, the flight, or the freeze response. I think everybody is pretty familiar with these, but you know, I'll just like explain it in case this is new to you. So, flight is when oh, some some traumatic shit happened. I'm out of here. Like uh, <laughs> my <laughs> my favorite example of this is you ever seen uh somebody take off running? Um, when something happens, they just gone, uh, uh, after, after the Brandy and Monica versus people was posting videos, uh, they'd be like, one thing Brandy going to do is run. She, <laughs> she's definitely a flight, right? So, so something happens and you leave. Um, I also want to add that flight could also look like dissociating, right? So, so something happens and you just, you just not there anymore. You often la, la 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 land, right? A freeze response is exactly how it sounds. You you just freeze. Y'all ever seen them fainting goats? That's, that's a freeze response to trauma, right? Like, like you are so startled that you just stuck. You can't, you can't say anything. You can't really move. It's just like frozen. Fight response is... Um, something, something has overwhelmed my abilities to cope and now I'm ready to throw hands. (laughs) So, um, it's, it's getting close to Halloween time. Y'all see people doing them pranks, like hopping out of trash cans and somebody will haul off and punch them. Like that's, that's a fight response to trauma, right? Like, uh, something has overwhelmed my, my day-to-day abilities to cope and now I'm ready to swing. There's a not so talked about. Fourth uh, trauma response to trauma that is fawn. Um, And I wanted to talk about this because I feel like this is the one that's getting like picked up and memed. And I see people tweeting about so fawn. So we have fight, flight, freeze and fawn. Fawn, if y'all have heard people say like fawning over, that's exactly what it is. Right. It's, It's when you get so people pleasy. And sickly sweet, in order to avoid any more harm or damage to yourself, right? And I, um, I've been reading about this because it actually comes out of marriage and family therapy. And so Fawn is is usually seen in children. Like you'll see a child when like parents are, um, you know, like fighting or something. Like, almost regress to being, like, the cutesy-bootsy baby or, like, look, look what I did and um, being, like, the perfect baby, basically. You'll see a lot of kids do this, right? It's, like, a a conditioned response to, like, if I am people-pleasy and sweet enough, nobody will hurt me. So, fawn is mostly seen in children, But I, you know, just like everything else, (laughs) mental health, that definitely doesn't mean that it can't manifest in adults. The way that they relate is I am going to overextend myself in a people pleasing way so that like you won't hurt me, right? That that doesn't when in fact it like doesn't protect them relationally. It it um oftentimes like opens them up to be in relationships with people who will take advantage of that. But it's a tra- it's a response to a trauma, right? So so the way I'm going to get through this is I'm going to be the the most cutest, best, never say no um over explaining loving unconditional person that you ever lay eyes on right so that's a response to trauma as well all right so we good so responses to trauma fall into four categories fight flight freeze or fawn um so maybe as you think about your um cope and then um i think i'll add to to that like or a lot of these things are unconscious, right? You're not thinking. Um, I am experiencing a trauma, therefore I am going to freeze. <laughs> like that, that's not the process. It's a it's a it's a central nervous system process because you have been so your brain is offline, right? You have been so overwhelmed that the the prefrontal cortex can't do the thinking. It can't. So um, you're just really in uh, instinct mode and, like, all the hormones rushing and firing. Um, and so I lay these out so, like, you can start to bring them into awareness. Like, maybe now you can point to, oh, snap. I do feel like hitting something every time um, – my trauma is activated, right? So that's a fight response. And then we can start to work work it backwards and um lessen the 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 whole point of identifying trauma and triggers of it and how you cope with it is to find better ways to cope with it and to lessen the intensity and severity of the trigger. Like you don't just be going around like that's triggering, that's triggering, that's triggering, I'm going to cut it all off. No. The point is to stop those things from being as intense of triggers, right? All right. So <laughs> y'all know me. I love a list and alliteration. So, um, there are five domains in which you can have reactions and, um, they're like, they're like broken into like two camps. It's like an initial and then a delayed, you know, cause, um, There are those initial reactions like, like, oh, shit, I can point to my shoulder is dislocated because of this accident. Or there are those delayed ones like it's been two months and now my back hurts or my hip hurts. Right. Like like those delayed things that happen after car accidents. Um, It's like a good way to get us to think about how we react to trauma and not stigmatize like. Oh yeah, it seemed like you was fine afterwards and now it's, you know, it's two months later and now you falling apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause your, your brain went into shutdown mode in order to keep your ass going. And now, now that you're back safe enough, it's kind of like you let the slingshot go and now all that stuff is catching up to you. Um, I'm saying this like to myself too, but also from like clients I've seen in sessions, definitely like, uh, don't judge, like, how you're responding to trauma. It is it is literally a normal reaction to an abnormal situation. Your, your body and your brain are trying their best to communicate to get you through it. Um, so if you have delayed reactions to trauma, please do not beat yourself up, okay? So we have, like, initial reactions and... Um, delayed reactions, and they fall into like five domains. So those domains domains are emotional, cognitive, physical, behavioral, and existential. So I'm gonna start with uh, emotional. So immediate emotional reactions. So an immediate reaction could be like fighting, right? So the anger, it, it, the explosive anger, um, the numbing that comes along with freeze. Or flight, a rush of um, sadness, like uh, overwhelming sadness, uh, feeling like, like this isn't happening right now. Like that, that like um, depersonalization of feelings is like um, that out of body experience. Like uh -uh, nope, can't take this. Um, Feeling dizzy and like disoriented uh, is also like an immediate emotional reaction that you could have. Delayed emotional reactions, Uh, this could look like uh, depression, this could look like anxiety, Um, a fear uh, response that is like suddenly you're afraid of this thing and you're not really recognizing why. Um, Shame around having experienced that trauma, those are all emotional reactions to trauma, right? Right? So physical reactions, immediate physical reactions, uh, a lot of people throw up. um, So nausea um, can be a physical reaction to trauma, Uh, muscle like tightening up or or like muscle limp limpening. Like, uh, why can't I feel my leg or it feels like my um, hand fell asleep. Uh, That can be a physical reaction immediately. Your, your heart is pounding out of, out of your chest. Um, you notice that your breathing is completely whacked. Those are all immediate physical reactions that can happen to trauma. Some delayed physical reactions are um, like uh, disturbances in your sleep. So are you sleeping way more or way less than you usually do? Some kind of like nightmares or night terrors can be delayed. Physical reactions to trauma. Um, Also, physical reactions could be things like, I don't have an appetite anymore, or suddenly I'm like eating everything in sight um, as a way to cope. Um, Being hyper aroused or like hyper alert, like your head is on a swivel and (laughs) you kind of like looking like Smokey and the chicken coop. On Friday, you know, just like turn around paranoid and everything that is a that could also be a delayed physical reaction. Cognitive reaction. So cognitive just means like the way your brain is processing something. Right. And so the immediate cognitive reactions to trauma could look like um, not being able to focus, uh, replaying it over and over in your head, which is also called rumination uh not being able to slow your thoughts down just like a flood of thoughts or not being able to remember everything memory uh that can be a short and a long-term uh reaction to trauma um it's real it's like really common so more delayed cognitive reactions uh flashbacks flashbacks is a really common one that people experience so like the the imagery or like a smell or something will bring will bring you back to um, that time when you like lose track of space and place, blaming yourself, uh, being uh, overly fixated on the event. So maybe if, especially if you've experienced memory loss, like trying to recover like those lost things, um, a lot of, a lot of people watched, I may destroy you. And so like we can see the, the um, delayed cognitive reactions to trauma in that show of like trying to piece together, like the lost um, memories. Another uh, cognitive reaction um, that is delayed is the generalization of triggers. And I feel like I'll probably one day do a whole, uh, mental moment on this. Cause I see it <laughs> playing out on social media so much, but, um, so it goes from, it goes from like blue shirts are a trigger that remind me of the traumatic experience to the color blue in general. Um, everything blue, can't have no blue around, right? That That is a generalization of a trigger. And what that typically clues us into is that there's there's just like so much work being done to try to suppress the traumatic experience that, that you're not putting that energy that could be rightfully going into working on um, regulating our reaction to those triggers so that they're less intrusive, um, and impactful to our functioning, right? So that's when triggers start to generalize
1: uh,
0: And then we have the behavioral reactions um, and you know, behavioral is just how it sounds, like things that you do. So this could be um this could be being jittery, so not being able to sit still um. Starting to, to change your use patterns with, like, alcohol and drugs and stuff like that. Um, avoiding people, places, and things that remind you of the trauma. These are all behavioral reactions, right? And then existential. What is an existential reaction to trauma? Um, existential is exactly how it sounds, right? Is when you start to think about thinking. <laughs> it's like these bigger life questions, So some existential reactions include a loss of self-esteem, like you start to think differently about yourself, um, questioning why did this happen to me, Uh, you know, or what did I do to deserve this? Questions like that are existential reactions to trauma, feeling like this, this traumatic event has changed or made you lose your purpose. Um a lot of, for a lot of people an existential reaction to trauma can look like a religious thing. So either a loss of belief of faith or like throwing yourself into the deep end of belief and faith of like I have to have this because this is the only thing that makes makes uh life worth living now. Hopelessness is another existential reaction. Um foreshortened future. So um so what for short and future means is like you can't see like yourself growing old, basically. Like you don't see any like long term life. Uh, and this this also this also comes along with like suicidal thoughts and hopelessness. Um, I I will also add that a lot of the systemic traumas that we experience, like poverty, like racism, the very real impact that they have um on us is these foreshortened futures. Like the fact that we have to grieve black people in their thirties, the fact that we have to uh, think about how we're gonna pay bills from month to month, um, is a is a very real uh, traumatic impact that, that shortens the way we think about our lifespan. We can't, we don't have the luxury of sitting back and pontificating on what retirement is going to look like, right? Like we, we have to do the day to day, um, that, that is, uh, a very real impact that these systemic, um, traumas have on us. So, um, I hope that this was like trigger free. (laughs) Um, Because I just really wanted to give us a sense of, okay, what exactly is a response to trauma? Like, what could this look like? Um, And so I wanted to give us the major domains that they show up. Emotional, cognitive, physical, behavioral, and existential. And also, if you take nothing else from this mental moment, to know that uh, you can have those immediate reactions. And you can also have delayed reactions and the whole goal of us um addressing outlining and identifying all of these reactions and responses to trauma is to equip ourselves with better coping so that we can be in the future afro and poc uh futurity you know (laughs) like come up with the language to write ourselves into the future all right, y'all, sadly, we don't have a lesbian luminary labor lecture from Nikita because um, she's not here. She's working. So uh, just send her love and support while she works these 12-12s um, with uh, hashtag no days off. And um, yeah, be excited for her word on the next episode. So we'll catch you on the next episode. <laughs> All right, y'all. I'm going to move it on along to our topic segment. And the topic segment is our queer potpourri segment. It's where we talk about all the things that really don't fit into any of our other segments. So, all right, y'all. So uh, for this topic, I saw this um, really funny tweet from uh at True Laurels and the tweet was black people that don't subscribe to at least one Hotep conspiracy theory are not to be trusted. And I was just cracking up at the quote tweets uh for this because I'm like, wow. Uh I so I I fully know that I'm a conspiracy theorist. i, I fully know like I think there's a fine line between um Between, like, radical feminists and conspiracy theorists. Because, you know, when it's the truth, it ain't conspiracy. Um, But (laughs) I just wanted to uh, have this fun on this mic while Nikita's not here to tell me I'm being ridiculous. To talk about uh, these conspiracy theories. So... Um, I know some of y'all might be like, oh, what is a HOTEP conspiracy theory? And um, I don't subscribe to none of them. Yes, I know that some of the HOTEP conspiracy theories are just straight up misogynoir and homophobia and transphobia. Yes, I'm not talking about those, right? I'm talking about the the culturally black conspiracy theories. (laughs) So, for example, um, the feds administered crack. That uh, that that was not just an uh, accidental explosion of uh, crack in the uh, '70s, right? That it was uh, intentionally introduced to Black and Latinx uh, communities. I fully subscribe to that conspiracy. Okay, like how how were you telling me? You telling me that Black folks was moving bricks? <laughs> All all this quantity, large quantities across um, borders and not getting checked for nothing. Nah, I I totally subscribe to this. Um, I also listen to the podcast Conspiracy Theories and... (laughs) So so I mean so th- they break it they always break it up into two parts. The first part will be like how did this come to be a conspiracy theory and then the second part they they try to dissect it and they give it a score on how true they think this conspiracy theory actually is. So in the vein of the conspiracy theory podcast on a scale of 1 to 5, I would give the conspiracy theory that the feds administered crack a 4.9, okay? <laughs> um And even if they didn't administer it, they damn sure didn't respond, um, just like uh, with the HIV epidemic, right? Like, if there would have been an organized response, we would not have lost so many people. So, conspiracy theory. Um, And so, some other popular conspiracy theories, HOTEP conspiracy theories, or maybe just like black cultural conspiracy theories. um, Don't put organ donor on your ID, because if you put organ donor on your ID, they won't work as hard to save you, and they'll steal your organs and sell them on the black market, right? <laughs> I know so many black folks who won't put organ donor on their um, their ID, or for people of color, for that matter. I know I just know a whole bunch of people of color that's like, "Mm mm, I'm putting no organ donor on my ID." I, I have y'all heard of this one? The origin of the word picnic, like where picnic comes from, is uh they would pick a nigga and uh lynch them and then people it would just be like this spectacle so they like just shortened it to picnic i don't know if that's the true etymology of the word picnic but i've definitely heard it enough across my lifespan that that, that's where the term comes from for it to be a conspiracy theory that i buy into this is another popular one. And I'm not, I swear, I'm not going to go into, like, the details of why this is a conspiracy theory. Of why so many people uh, believe it. But that food can be the cure for terminal illnesses. And when people get close to exposing that, the the powers that be take them out. You know? You know? As a Nipsey fan, like, after, after Nipsey was murdered... A whole bunch of folks was like, oh, they took him out because he was gonna do the documentary on Dr. Sevy's work. <laughs> right? Like like I this is just such a a staple um of like oh like uh certain certain uh foods I mean um can cure uh what can be terminal illnesses like AIDS, uh cancer, um things like that. But that, you know, big pharma don't want us to know that. So, um, I have to laugh at myself before I even say this, but I don't know if y'all like experienced this, but I feel like it was a thing where there was just like this, uh, like turnover in, in, um, like what was available in, um, In, like, school, lunches, cafeteria and stuff. So we used to have vending machines full of crap food, right? Like, Snickers, Reese's Cups, um, soda, all this stuff. And then, like, I think when I was in, like, high school, maybe, like, my junior year all the vending machines got replaced with like oh healthier alternatives and blah 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 right so a, a lot of people started to be like oh they trying to take ginger ale from us cuz you know ginger ale be curing um <laughs> it be curing the stomach bug it can help you with a sore throat they just trying to take ginger ale this is a conspiracy <laughs> they trying to take our uh, um our ancestral medicine which is ginger ale you know <laughs> Um that was just like such a thing when Canada Drive was no longer in the um in the vending machines at school uh, that I remember. Uh and so another one that I subscribe to is that all these like menstruation product companies like um Kotex and you know all those add things to um menstrual products to make our periods heavier or longer so that we have to buy more um products. I I just I just very very believe that because after I made the switch to a menstrual cup, when I tell you that it was a game changer in a, not just like intensity of cramps, but also like length and duration of my uh periods, I just It just makes me believe that they are putting something on them tampons and on them pads to uh, keep us hooked. (laughs) To keep us coming back and buying more. Probably my favorite black conspiracy theory is that Tupac is still alive. Um, I just love how, like, witchy this one is. And, I mean, if you look at the facts, I mean... It's just like shady, you know, like like the the um the medical examiner who did his autopsy nobody has heard or seen from since he signed off on that autopsy report excuse me this this man just vanished into thin air that um that tupac was recorded at six one on the medical examiner's uh thing, but everybody know that tupac was five ten you know it's just like all this like whoa whoa, whoa, like, um, conflicting reports of if he came to in the hospital, um, uh, we know that, uh, you know, Asada is, uh, in Cuba in exile, and, like, that's his auntie, and like, all. The, I don't know, it's just like, it's way, it's way too witchy for me to not feel like there's something, um, but I think in, in my spirit, I just think that if, if Tupac was still, uh, in the land of the living, that that he would have reemerged in like some way by now because even legally nobody could do nothing to him for like faking his own death at this point it's been too many years past so i don't know uh you know you you want to believe it because uh he was so young at the time i think when when i think about how young him and uh biggie were when they were assassinated, it's just like, damn, they were young as fuck. I think because I was so young at the time when it happened, like in my imaginary, they were adults, but they were kids, you know, like 20s, 20s. And so I think it's just like we lose all our greats so early as black folks that we want to have that like hope, you know, that, that nah, Tupac uh, pulled the ultimate and faked his death and he kicking it somewhere um blissfully living into his old age well he he wouldn't even be old now he'd be in like his 40s but you know what i mean like he, he gonna like live it up um somewhere that tupac oh if uh, well obviously y'all are in podcasts because y'all still y'all are into podcasts because y'all still listening to me but if you want to hear a really good episode on the tupac is alive conspiracy theory Check out the Conspiracy Theories podcast. They do a two-part a two-parter that I forced Nikita to listen to when we drove, <laughs> when we drove to Tacoma. Um, and it's good. So y'all, y'all should check that out. I'll link it in the description to this episode. Okay, this is the last conspiracy theory I will regale y'all with. And it is my own personal conspiracy theory. And yes, it is a hotep conspiracy theory. <laughs> so my original 2020 conspiracy theory is that Netflix put out our favorite sitcoms from the nine nines and the 2000s to quell the uprisings that were happening. Boom. <laughs> I just feel like how long have we been asking for? Uh, Moesha to be on a streaming platform. How long have we been asking for girlfriends? How long have we been asking for all of this? And I don't think that it's a coincidence. Like, every time we see, like, a resurgence or, like, an uptick in the uprisings of people taking to the street, these streaming services do some uh, fantastical black shit to keep us streaming. Just keep us streaming. They just pumping it into our living room. <laughs> Nobody clipped this episode. People gonna think I'm crazy. <laughs> They're gonna think I'm crazy. But yeah, like that's that's just what I've been thinking. Cause I'm I'm just like, what? We was we was um we was talking abolishing the police and now now I told y'all it was a whole hotel conspiracy. It's like uh they try to distract us from taking money from the police and now we giving money to Netflix and they don't even pay taxes. You know? <laughs> that, that's, that for me is the 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 um amazing part about conspiracy theories is that they have just enough truth to them. It's like it's like, uh-huh, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. And then they just dive off the deep end and jump off the ledge. And to all the flat earthers out there, um, they just fall off the edge of the planet. <laughs> right? right? Like, that's, that's the thing about conspiracy theories. And that's what makes them so fun and what, like, keeps them uh, going. So, now that y'all have heard me talk way outside my mind <laughs> use the hashtag to tell me if any of these conspiracy theories you like nah nah that that one I subscribe to or um, use the hashtag queer WOC to tell me a conspiracy theory that you fully believe in uh, yeah I want to hear it y'all just don't leave me out here on this solo episode talking about conspiracy theories <laughs> by myself <laughs> right, y'all. Last but not least, I'm going to move it on along to our Curved Chronicles segment. The Curved Chronicles segment is the segment where we talk about our dating woes and wins or your dating woes and wins as queer folks of color. So, um, this is so funny. I feel like, uh, Monty, you should have just cut this mic off after the mental moment. But... (laughs) I hope that y'all are gentle with me uh through this <laughs> this curved chronicle so um so I think um I matched with a houseless person on her, and that's not a deal breaker for me and let uh, look hear me out y'all okay so uh first of all the the country- okay, why do I think this? I think I should start there, right, 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 so um, we matched, we matched on her, and like one of the first things they said was oh i'm I'm not going to be able to charge my phone until I get to work, so just match, and I'll hit you up later, which they did, like they hit me up later and so like okay, we you know, we were like messaging back and forth, whatever, whatever, um then like a few weeks later they were like hey sorry uh didn't have charge for my phone um how you been basically it was, it was like i only been out here like a month or so so it had to be like a maybe a week and a half later right so i'm like okay you know maybe you lost your phone charger you know a lot a number of things could happen um and then finally we had been like messaging back and forth enough for uh them to be like so uh you know, any stage two COVID activities you down to do, like, uh, there's a lot of trails around here that are open. Um, do you want to meet up and walk? And I'm like, oh yeah. And they're like, yeah, you know, um, I walk a lot. I'm really active, but I just got a gym membership. So, uh, so like, yeah, now I'm trying to like get back outside. And, I, and I was like, oh, okay. Um, if that wasn't the context, let me see if I can find the message. Oh, so um, y'all know me, I get to like being like nerdy and over explaining. So this was the context of the gym membership thing that made me go. Hmm. I was like, uh, yeah, are you down to chill? And I know that y'all have a different definition of chilling out here. So when I mean, when I say chilling, I just mean like meeting up and doing some like COVID safe activity. And they were like, sure, um, you can meet me at beep, the gym, right? <laughs> the local gym here. Um, I just got a membership or I know of some great outdoor places if you want to go walking. And so I, I don't know. It's just like, have y'all ever been like, oh, can we chill? And they've been like, yeah, you can meet me at the gym. Um, so, so then, yeah. So, so just like my spidey senses were tingling, right? Like, okay. Um, you couldn't find charge for like your phone for like a week and a half. Uh, when I say you want to chill, they're like, oh, I just got a gym membership. You can meet me at the gym. Um, and then the last thing that made me think this is they, they said, I don't have like access to internet or wifi a lot, not even like when I'm at work. So my phone number is this and they gave me their number and they were just like, it would be a lot easier for me if you would just text me. And so I was like, hmm, Okay. Like nearly all the places I am throughout the day, I can find Wi-Fi, um, and I definitely got Wi-Fi at the house. And I know, you know, it's like it's like rough times, and people are cutting out things that you know might might be seen as luxuries and not uh, essential expenses. But I just like this, coupled with the photos, like I just really think that uh, this person is like struggling with um, like shelter right now. And I'm like, that's real. You know, like uh, my, um, uh, my family has been like functionally, uh, houseless before, you know, like whether it be like couch surfing or, um, crashing with a family member. Cause you got evicted. And I, I know that like evictions are like up and through the roof and they're probably just going to get worse because landlords are scum and there's been no like actual effort to care about the people of this country. Um, with people being out of work and, um, losing wages due to the pandemic. So it's like, yeah, that shit is real. I get that, um, that people don't have like stable or consistent housing and that's not a deal breaker for me. If somebody doesn't, (laughs) doesn't have, um, housing, like it's just not, uh, and, this is, okay, this might be classes and egregious of me, uh, to use Maya's words, but I actually think it's more of a deal breaker to me if somebody doesn't have employment, um, I'm not talking about, uh, getting to know somebody, like, I'll get to know anybody, but I mean, like, considering somebody to be a partner, that not having employment is more of a deal breaker to me than not having housing, um, I just understand the structural inequalities that lead to somebody being houseless right now. Um, and this, I mean, yeah, like I said, this might sound real classist and egregious, but <laughs> I just feel like as long as you got somewhere to be, like you got to get up and be accountable to going and being somewhere and you just ain't be, ain't going to be sitting in my shit all day that I'm totally, I'm cool with like, i I am cool with us cohabitating until you get like a uh, a stable situation of your own i guess i I've always lived with this fear of like not having stable shelter and it's because of like you know growing up experiences so it's like when you when you one paycheck away from not being able to pay rent the next month, it's like it's really real you can understand um like not having housing and i'm i'm out here in tacoma where you know the like there's a housing crisis much like other cities in the united states where the crisis really is that we don't value people right because um and when i say we i don't mean me i mean this society so there's all these empty apartments and all these houseless people but because of money they can't just stay in the apartments right um and so yeah, I feel like okay, you got a job. I see you. You hit me up when you get to work. You you charging your phone to talk to me. That make me feel so special. <laughs> like, and so uh I guess as the Curve Chronicle segment, I'm just thinking like how how would y'all like address this or like would you even address it? Is this something that should come out over time of getting to know somebody? Um, I know that there's a lot of shame around like living in poverty and that shame, like just doesn't belong to us. It belongs to like the system that, um, privileges profit over people. And like I said, being houseless just ain't a deal breaker for me. Um, so what do y'all think about this? Have you, have you had experiences of like, uh, dating folks who are houseless and then, um, like, what do you do? I guess like, Uh, this, this feels like a, a letter that I should write your gay aunties, but (laughs) like, do you have hangups or like hesitations around that? Like if you were, if you were like really interested in somebody who was struggling with secure housing, would that, that like bother you? I think, I don't know. I think I just, uh think that people can be stable in other ways, not just, oh, you have a consistent address that I can mail shit to. Like, what I value, and I've said this before on other Curve Chronicles, is like, I value that, like, constant communication. Like, that, to me, shows me that, like, you care about me, which makes it so fucked up when people are constantly communicating with me and always want all my uh, conversational time and energy and don't be wanting shit with me, you know? <laughs> it's like, um, because I value that. That makes me feel connected and attached and, like, cared for by somebody. Um, I, yeah, I, I value people who prioritize their, their, like, well being, you know, it's like when you out here trying to heal, that is that is work that is hard and not everybody does. There are people that just walk around as just like fucked up individuals and they just be fucked up for the whole life and never, never think critically about like why and how they are the way they are. And so, you know, over our text exchanges, I see that this person is somebody who is engaged in that process of like, yeah, I was seeing a therapist for a while, but then you know, things got rocky. Or I have a really good friend group that has checked me around a lot of my femme phobia. You know, <laughs> like like all these things um, that I think are very important. And that point to me um, more stability than just like an address. So, yeah. So, I don't know. I just like jumped out there and decided to be vulnerable with y'all. And see if this can start a conversation. And y'all share. Like, share with me. I am probably am going to write um your gay aunties because you know the aunties they they just cut through the bullshit and they give you um their full advice on stuff but us as a queer white community you know tell me what you think like would would houselessness at this moment be a deal breaker for you um And my classes and egregious for being, for being like, actually, unemployment is the deal breaker. Okay. Like, (laughs) um, all the things, you know? All right, y'all. So I think that is a solo episode from me again. Um, I can't wait till Nikita gets back. Uh, so we can bring y'all some joint episodes because I think we have a whole bunch of new folks who are tuning in and turned up about Queer Walk. And so I just want to shout y'all all all out and welcome. Uh, I promise you the, the ride usually isn't this, uh, (laughs) out there and wild. It's just, you know, I got to be unchecked today. So, um, I had to get all my shit off while Nikita was gone (laughs) when she, when she comes back, uh, She'll be here to uh, balance out my my a right? So, uh, again, I'm Money, the moon watcher, moon gazer. You can find me on all the things at Better Than Money. And mm, before I end this episode, I also wanted to let y'all know that uh, we are looking for a social media like uh, help. So like whether that be like a social media intern or like a part time person, we uh, would be paying you for your work, but we just really need help. Um, I'm trying to balance being a whole ass professor and a therapist and Nikita is always working these 1212. So we need help. We need support. So if you are interested in supporting us on the forward facing front of the podcast, hit us up at queerwalkpod at gmail dot com. And, uh, yeah, we'll give you more information on how you can do that. All right. And you just listen to Queer Walk the Podcast. Bye, y'all.